Hello, everyone. Welcome to Big Things Start Small. This is one of the co-hosts, Casey Murphy. And with me is my friend, Beth Wolf. Hey, Beth. Hey, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. It's been snowing for three days here, so. Oh, it's still snowing there? Uh-huh. Yeah, which is really oh. abnormal. We don't normally get this much snow for this long, but. Yeah, I know it's like it. a dumping, right? And then like. Yeah, and it then it all away. melts within yeah. the next day or whatever. But it's actually stuck around and I'm loving it because I keep kicking my kids outside. Like, go play and don't yeah. come home until it's dark. Because snow is a novelty, and they are excited That's right. about it. They're yeah. excited about it, yeah. It's the toy that we haven't gotten tired, tired of yet. Of yeah. <laughs> That's so nice. Yeah. We had a little bit, and uh, my son played outside for a little bit. And actually, he wasn't hating it as much as I thought he was <laughs> for the first 10 minutes. But by the end of that 10, 15 minutes, he was like, my hands are cold. I'm ready to go inside. He's real little. <laughs> That's fun. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, if you are joining in today, we are on our second week talking about um, kind of the aftermath thoughts of the um, Capitol riot that happened earlier in January. Um, we are in February now, which is really nice to be done with one of the coldest months of the year. And that also felt like such a weird month. There was like a bad that happened at the beginning and then the inauguration went through which had some, I think, surrounding tension, but nothing happened. So that was a win. Yeah. And so here we are, we're talking about it. And we're last week, we kind of talked about the, like, why, how did we get to a place where people were storming the Capitol? Yeah. Not necessarily, like, why they were there, but, like, the fact that they were there and there were signs of Jesus being held up, the Bible, there was prayer happening in the Senate chambers, like thanking God for this opportunity for them. So like, we were both like, how, like, why? What is going on? How are these things connected? How are these things connected? So yeah. Yeah. And last week we shared a little bit, I shared a little bit about how like I have struggled for years with sort of this shame about being a pastor that when I Mm -hmm. meet new people, I'm like, Hey, I don't really want to tell them that I'm a pastor. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's not that I'm ashamed of the gospel or of Jesus. It's because I'm ashamed of like all of the baggage that comes with church um, and with some of those, yeah, with church and some of the the craziness that and gets, the representation and the representation that all yeah. gets tied to that um, and how the church has historically not been a great place when it comes to racism and sexism and all of those different things. And mm-hmm. um, this past year in 2020, it felt like all of that was large and in charge on display mm-hmm. um, in the news media cycles and all sorts of things. And then uh, the Capitol hit and it yeah. was like blatantly, right in your face yeah shoot why why is this why are these why is the church particularly the white evangelical church so tied together with this sort of yeah yeah ugliness Ugliness. (laughs) yeah that's a great word for it ugliness Yeah. yeah it almost reminds me do you remember last year the story of the woman in Central Park with her dog and yeah, yeah, the bird she, watcher, the bird watcher, yes, yeah. and how we were it was put on display like, hey, white woman's tears, like making an innocent black man look like a dangerous criminal, like we, that was like, yeah, it, Karen, it was yeah, it like yeah, Karen, yeah, Karen, <laughs> it like painted the picture. It was like, oh wow, this really this this is it. This is this true. It right. happens. We are seeing it happen, and like again, I feel like that's happened at the Capitol. Or like, hey, yeah, it. 
here it is. <laughs> like, yep. on yeah. On display. 2020 had a lot, a yes. lot of uh, evidence that that's yeah. reality. Yeah. Yeah. So last week we kind of defined what the white evangelical church is and versus what evangelism is and that evangelism right. is a good thing and kind of like how this kind of all kind of unfolded. So this yeah. week we're talking more about it. We're really looking at uh, importance of pursuing individual rights has been uh, fused together with the church. And so one of the things that we noticed in the Capitol riots and, and again throughout 2020, but, but that were abundantly clear is that one of the mantras of the people who were storming the castle, storming the castle, the castle. storming the castle, <laughs> storming the, the Capitol is, uh, is sort of this whole um uh, ideology that says like you can't tell me what to do like you can't tell me what to do and so in the middle of a pandemic with jesus save signs are also these people not wearing masks um and uh and and again just sort of saying you can't tell me what to do that my rights um don't end where your fear or your feelings begin i know those are bumper stickers and t-shirts that i've seen um people yeah slogans that i've seen people wearing um and just this sort of idea that like listen, don't take away my freedoms. Don't tread on me. Don't, um, all of those sorts of things. Um, and a lot of that don't tread on me. is like a military thing. Are you saying like, that's, is that what that means? I think don't tread on me is a part of the, um, the tea party movement. That's their slogan. They have this snake. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness yeah my whole life I have thought that was like (laughs) you know what like maybe it's also a military thing but I know that the tea party has um uh commandeered that I mean it's also a song by Metallica but that anyways yeah anyways (laughs) that's I mean it may have greater implications than that but it's sort of this idea of like get off me. Like, don't tell me yeah, what, to do. Don't what to do. You can't tell me what to do. I'm, you know, my individual rights. All Which like, okay. The idea of don't tell me what to do. Like I'm thinking about like the, the escape, the liberation of Jews from Egypt, Jewish people from Egypt. Like they did not live under the Pharaoh's law. They're like, no, we are free. And so I can almost see where like this like oh, thought process yeah. of, hey, no, I am not one of yours. I am a free person because I follow Christ. Right. I can kind of see where like that idea could come from. So there's a whole history of pursuing freedom, right? So if you yeah. tread back, I mean, you can go all the way back to Egypt and say like, hey, no, we are the free people. Like God wanted us to be free. We're not the slaves, right? Then there's the whole... um uh, you even go into uh, other areas of history where like the Jewish people are entering the promised land and they kick the Canaanites out because they're like, no, this is our land. Like we're free. And then they get taken into exile by um, the Babylonians. And there's this whole grieving because they don't have their religious freedom. And it's not till God allows the Persians to conquer them, but then the Persians, you know, give them back this religious freedom. So that was a key thing. I mean, even the founding of America is the Puritans and the pilgrims coming over to find religious freedom so that they don't have to be persecuted by different people. So really not just Christianity, but like our whole country was sort of, there's these, there's these, um, 
throughout through the Jewish history, there's sort of these these um, threads of freedom being very important, and particularly the founding of our country mm-hmm. being no freedom is very important, and we are very skeptic of people who tell us what we can and cannot do. That it's kind mm-hmm. of like no, that's what America is founded on. So yeah, yeah it's very important. Freedom, very, yeah. individual rights. Hugely important. Very important. I don't want to trade them. I don't want to live in a place where I don't have individual rights. Not at all. I love them. Yeah. That's why we're here. (laughs) We're talking about stuff. (laughs) That's right. But, but there is a problem when we hold individual rights above everything else and we fuse it together and say, Jesus is all about individual rights above Mm -hmm. and beyond all the other things, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. that's the problem. That's the problem. Because yes. we don't see that in his life story. Mm-mm. But we are seeing a lot of that represented right now. Yeah. Um, so just, yeah. How do you see that, Casey? I see it um, with people I'm very close with, um, very close to the whole idea of, Hey, I'm not going to live in fear, so I'm going to do what I want, which has been really um, hard to walk with because it, to me, feels very self-centered, um, and and it is with people that I love very much, and so it's been really hard to <laughs> to to go through this together because um, I just disagree with that progress a lot like um, what is it, the fear thing like what is that like where, what are, what's uh, yeah how does that play out for you and for them of like I'm not gonna live in fear like what are they what what are they saying is it they're afraid of or not gonna be afraid of well so this one scenario in particular was with someone that we shared a connection with um they tested positive for COVID I let people I knew I had known and been around that, Hey, I came in contact with somebody. I just want to let you know. And there, they didn't let anybody know. And they still continued going to work and they still continued to do their extra things because they didn't want to live in fear of stopping their life. Their individual rights yes. were, they didn't want fear to be bigger than their individual rights. Yes. And yeah. for you, it wasn't about fear. You weren't being afraid by not going different places or anything like what well, for you, how would you describe why you chose those decisions, made those decisions? Um, because I don't want to get anybody sick. <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> like, about fear. It was no. about love. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There are people in my life that could, if they were to get it, it could be um, deathly or it could be long-term um, have long-term effects. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's not, you don't know until it happens. Um, and somebody actually in my family did get COVID and they did pass away from it. Not because, I mean, this, their situation, it was my grandmother. It was very different. She was in a nursing home and somebody brought it into the nursing home somehow because they were on lockdown. We like haven't seen her in person in so long. So not at all related to this other person. I know. So, yeah. but so, yeah, so my, my response was much more of, um, Hey, let's be careful because we don't want to get anyone else sick versus, I'm not worried about getting other people sick and I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. And that seems like right now, uh, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that where 
Um, it seems like there's a lot of decisions being made that are about I'm going to do what I'm going to do to keep my rights intact mm-hmm. versus I'm going to do what I need to do in order to protect the community in order to care about the people around me and to really to love my neighbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I've yeah. seen, I've seen that and experienced that as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, it is. It is. What has yours experience looked like? Yeah, mine has been pretty similar um, in that, you know, as a pastor of a church, having to make the call um, of whether we're going to meet in person or not, that that was a huge, huge, huge issue. Mm -hmm. Um, And and to some degree, there have been some people that have uh, confronted me on, hey, uh, we're the body of Christ and we should continue to meet together and we shouldn't ever. I mean, Hebrews says do not stop meeting. And so we, this is our mandate and they're trying to take away our religious freedom by not letting us meet. And my response to that has kind of been like, well, hold on a second, whether we meet in a building physically or we meet online, um, what, like we're not, we're not stopping meeting. Like we are continuing to do church. We're continuing to worship God. We're continuing to grow in our faith and practice our faith. It's just, we're not meeting in a physical building. Right. So like, so like, first of all, the idea that, that, that we're somehow uh, not meeting together simply isn't true. But in addition to that, we're not making this decision out of fear. We're making this decision out of the most, uh, out of love for our neighbors, particularly our most vulnerable neighbors. So Mm -hmm. our church has um, pretty, I don't know, maybe 10%, 20%, 15%. I'll say 15% of our congregation is 65 and older and so um, trying to, with some of them in their 70s and 80s, mm-hmm. and so some of that decision was like, I want to make sure that we create church in a way that we can help them participate um, without fear of getting sick. Like, I don't want anyone to have the decision to make of like, oh, I either go and potentially harm myself or others, um, or I not go. So, so we decided right. let's, let's figure out a way to worship God together. Um, so that everyone can be a part of it. And it wasn't based on fear. It was based on, it was based on love for our community. Yeah. And I think that even like what your decision was, was kind of in line with what the government, local, local government, I know for Maryland was saying like, Hey guys, stop, like just stop doing things. And I know some people in churches were like, no, you can't like separation of church and state. You can't, but I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like that perspective though is like, Hey, the rest of the community is going to do this one thing and they're going to act a certain way, but we're special and we're going to do it differently because we want to. And that, I feel like that if you're an outsider looking in, that looks really ugly (laughs) to use that word again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But that just looks like it looks selfish and grandstanding and like you're better than everybody almost because you're gonna disregard is that how that's how it was maybe in Virginia was that how no there was some issue um I mean Maryland in particular has gone back and forth that at one point there was sort of harsher um restrictions on worship uh houses of worship and what they could do or not do. And then they went the other direction and were more lenient to houses of worship than other businesses. And I think that right now we're right in the middle where, where essentially houses of worship are being treated the same way as businesses or any sort of indoor outdoor gathering, which I think makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, The risk of transmission is the same, if not more, uh, just because um, some of the religious practices that people engage in are 
do have higher rates of transmission, like singing. Singing is a thing that creates, you're spreading your air. You're spreading your air yeah. more forcefully. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, th- there's been a whole, yeah, there's a whole thing with all of that. Whole thing. So. Yeah. The problem becomes when we sort of fuse our individual rights and say that that's the most important thing to pursue and that that aligns with Christian teaching. And that is a little concerning. Yeah. I mean, that has played out in a lot of ways over the past several years. Um, Fear of the immigrant coming and taking jobs, Mm. not paying taxes, the fear of jobs being outsourced to other countries and not made in America. Um, all of these kind of things were put as the enemy of taking your re- rights and liberties away. Yeah. So it's been going on for a long time. And I think that the combination of really strong support for and belief in uh, for the pre- late President Trump, not late, former, he's not dead, former, sorry. <laughs> it's a very important word. <laughs> I'm confused. Um, that coupled with the like distrust in any sort of news, it was almost like all, the only thing that you could trust was what came out of the president's mouth. I experienced that from a family member who was very upset that I was not like how myself and my family were handling coronavirus because we were being really careful. And this family member in particular is at a very high risk based on age. And they're very, very upset and like said, like, I don't think it's as big of a deal. Like you're kind of, kind of said that we were being selfish and you don't know what's going to happen. And these, like, it's not as bad as everyone's making it out to be. Hmm. So I, I think it's a culmination of all of these things where the individual liberties and rights have really just eclipsed everything else yeah so we see that you've brought up a new thing so we see that in the way that people are sort of handling like i'm not going to wear a mask don't tell me what to do Mm -hmm. don't make me stay home don't shut down work don't do other things and then you brought up this other thing of like oh my gosh um my opportunities to have a job to make money is more important than the immigrants opportunity Mm -hmm. to make job uh to to have jobs and make money like this is more important for me to be able to do this than them yeah yeah there is a concern i mean i think that this comes out of both of those things come out of this concern particularly the mask thing um comes out of this concern that like the government is going to take over like Mm -hmm. that they're going to impose all of these restrictions like um and and, and that they're going to be too big and too powerful and we need to watch out for our freedoms and liberties. And like, I would say like, actually that's true. Like we do need to be careful of that. I mean, I mm-hmm. um, remember at one point I was observing when Obama was president about how he was using a lot of executive power to like put in executive orders. And he sort of like sequestered all of his power for himself because he couldn't get certain um, mandates through Congress. So he said, fine, I'll just, I'll just put them in an executive order and then I can just do them. And whether I agreed with his executive orders or not, I foresaw in that whole yeah. thing, Hey, this is actually going to be a problem because then whoever the president is that comes next, like they have the precedent set now that 
um, they can just, if they can't get something passed through Congress, they can just write an executive order. And really, that's mm. exactly what we saw as Trump became president, um, that that there had been too much power sequestered in our executive branch of the government. And that became a big problem, right? That is, that still is a big problem, even as we go forward with Biden and whoever else becomes president. Um, and we do want to be, we're, we, we want to be like uh, wise about how much, um, government power. power because power is a corrupting influence and so i totally like that part of it i'm like yes i get it great we can look at yeah. that go- through governmental eyes absolutely the problem i have is the idea that jesus is one in the same with that mm. because what like you said earlier what we see jesus doing is something completely different like I, yeah. I, I told you this earlier, like I can't imagine Jesus sort of looking at the cross and saying like, oh, wait a second, I would rather hold on to my individual rights to not be on the cross. Like I, I really would like to hold on to what about my freedom and my liberty and my all of those things. Um, but that's not what Jesus did. Like Jesus looked at the cross and he said, oh, my gosh, this is for the world. This is for mm-hmm. the community. This is so they might have life. And so Jesus lays down his life so that others might live. Um, and there's actually lots of examples uh, throughout scripture where the model that Jesus gives us to follow is not hold on to your individual liberties and your individual rights, no matter the cost. Mm. Uh, Jesus is constantly laying down his life. I feel like the um, part that the evangelical church holds on to, and I think it's flipped a little bit, is that so when Jesus met his, the, met people, yeah, like I'm thinking about the the prostitute, mm-hmm. he didn't say, "Hey, like prove that you're worthy and then come follow me." Mm. He was like, "You are worthy. Now leave what you're doing." So he, he kind of did it backwards. And I feel like the standard that the white evangelical church has is you're doing it wrong. Mm. You're just doing it wrong. And I, I want you to do it this way. I want you to do it my way, regardless of what what your beliefs are, what your hopes are. Right. It's a different, it's a different posture for Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. Yeah. I just think of the story of the last supper where Jesus is like with his disciples and everybody's arguing because they have dirty feet. Nobody wants to wash their feet. And Jesus is like, you guys, you're killing me here. Right. And so he gets down and he washes all of their feet. And, uh, we're told that right after that happens, like when Jesus is like giving this great teaching on like how you need to be the servant of all, like you need to take the lowliest position. Um, then the disciples are, are, are all arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That when Jesus comes into his kingdom, who's going to sit on his right hand? And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, you guys. like Doing it again. You're doing it again. <laughs> and Jesus has those famous words. He says, listen, if you want to become great, if you want to be great, you need to become the servant of all. If you want to become the greatest, you're going to lay down all of your power. You're going to lay down, in some ways, all of your individual rights in order to lay down your life in order to serve those around you. And I just see that that's what Jesus tells us to do. And yet what I see being prolific with the Jesus saves flags is this 
no, my rights are more important. Don't tread on me. Don't like my rights don't end where your fear and your feelings begin. Like I'm going to hold on to these no matter what. These are my rights. And I feel like Jesus is just like, oh my gosh, guys, if you want to become great, you need to become a servant. Um, And so for me, those two, uh, those two ideologies just seem to be in total contradiction. So I have a hard Mm. time when I see evidence of the pursuit of individual rights at all costs being fused together with, with Christianity. Gosh, I I wonder like when, so as you're talking about how you're saying out loud that the right to liberty, the right to individualism and all of this stuff, protect themselves, protect yourselves. I remember, it made me think of um, an email I received probably like six, seven years ago. And it just reminds me that this has been a long time coming. Like mm. the, the ground has been ready for this culmination for a long time, which is why Trump won. Um, in my opinion, yeah. my humble, my humble, very yeah. unedgy. Like, so I received an email. It was about, it was, it was about guns. It was about second amendment rights. Yeah. It was about how, when the government took away guns from countries throughout history, the people have been killed. And so it's like this fear of government having control, which isn't a bad thing. Let's clarify that again. Like the government should not have full control, but this fear of it in these incremental ways um, has been a long time coming. And this kind of, not rebellion, but this grandstanding of, you're telling me to do this thing, but I'm not going to do it because I have my own rights and you're the government and you're too big. And it's been just a long time coming. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious to see when the day is where, and it might not ever happen, where the pers- not the perspective changes of the tying of, Jesus with like all of these principles all like using it as a using the Bible as a crutch or not a crutch or a a justification maybe justification that's the word I'm looking for yeah yeah I mean because when we read the Bible what (laughs) I had had this conversation with somebody recently they wanted me to listen to a podcast um, that they found and give feedback. And it was basically, um, well, it doesn't matter what it was about. But in the end, what I sort of pushed back to them was like, hey, first of all, before we engage in a conversation about this podcast, can we please first have a conversation about where in scripture you see the um, the explicit uh, uh, the explicit place where Jesus said democracy is the best government? Like, mm. let's talk because because whatever this podcast was talking about, it was based on this understanding that the Christian form of government is democracy. And like, again, mm. I love democracy. I think <laughs> democracy is great. Um, mm-hmm. The problem is, is I don't necessarily see that Jesus says democracy is the government that Christian people set up. Like, I just don't see that. Mm. In fact. What I do see, what I do see in scripture is that theocracy is the government that should be set up where basically we all listen to God and follow him. 
The problem is, is that even in the Old Testament, when the Jewish people were setting up a theocracy under the rules of uh, priests and um, and even the judges before the kings come into view, or even, you know, family systems where the, the leader of the family was supposed to, they were all messed up. So even when God institutes this theocracy, the sinfulness and brokenness of man screw it up completely. So mm-hmm. like, that's the thing that, that is, is, is sort of difficult is that like, God does not ordain democracy. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, any human governmental system gets messed up because humans are running it. Um, yeah. And so it always comes back to this sort of thing of like, okay, what is Jesus calling us to be? What is Jesus calling us to do? Um, and uh, yeah, it reminds me of Second uh, Corinthians. It talks about that, that Jesus left the riches of heaven to take on the poverty of humanity so that we all might become rich. Um, and I think about that and I think, okay, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, what does it look like as, I mean, rich Christians in America I know not all of us are rich. I totally understand that. But rich compared to the rest of the world, like what does it look like for us to uh, leave the riches of whatever it is that we've been given in order to take on some sort of poverty, not necessarily material, but like all sorts of poverty in order to see riches for the rest of the world, this communal flourishing. Um, Again, that doesn't mean that we like flog ourselves, right? Like, or or starve (laughs) or suffer or whatever. it means that that we use the power and the influence and um, rights and resources that we have in order for communities to flourish. And 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 that can mm. be like our local communities, like our neighborhood, um, in order for them to flourish. And and I think that that gets along more of the calling of what we're supposed to be doing as the body of Christ. Um, rather than fighting for our individual rights at all costs. Hmm. So that's tricky. Yeah, it is tricky. The thing is, is that, oh, it's like the parable of the talents. By the way, we had a phone call back at the end of December and you brought up the parable of the talents to me. Yeah. And it was really helpful in my personal life for totally different reasons than this. But (laughs) like the parable of the talents, like keeps coming up over and over and over again. Yeah. I was like, I think we just talked about it. Yeah, we did. We did. Yeah. It just keeps coming up because like, I think the reality is, is that, you know, there's the, Jesus tells this parable of like people getting, uh, these three servants that are given one talent, five talents and 10 talents. And then the King or the landlord or whatever goes away. The powerful guy, their master goes away. Mm -hmm. And then he like, he, he says, Hey, like do something with these things that I've given you. And so he goes away and then he comes back a long time later and he says, okay, servants, like, what have you done with what I've given you? And the guy who was given 10 talents has like doubled it and he got 10 more. So now he's got 20 and he looks at the guy. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the small thing. So I will give you more. He does the same thing with the five talent guy. The five talent guy made it 10 and he looks at him. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with the small things. Go. Then he looks at the one talent guy, the guy he just gave one to. And uh, the one talent guy has like taken his talent and he's dug it in the ground and he just like Mm. saved it. And he says, here's the one that you gave me. I have what you gave me. It's safe. It's safe, right? It's safe. 
And the master's like, are you kidding me? And he's angry at him. Like he's angry at him because he didn't even put it in the bank and get the small amount of interest on it. He just, he was scared. And so he just held on to it with all of his being. And he says, um, and he tells like, and he says, well, I thought you'd be a harsh man. So I didn't want to upset you. And he's like, no, you should have, you should have done something. Like it would have been better to take some sort of small risk, you know, like, and gotten something back. Um, and so he says, I'll take it away and give it to the other people. Um, but I think the way that this connects is, is we all have power, like all of us, even, yeah. even when you think about, um, uh, there are some of us who have more power than others. Some of us are 10 talent, power, position, mm. resource people. Um, yeah. In, in America right now, it's probably like wealthy white men. They are the 10 yeah. talent people. Uh, there's yeah. some of us that are five talent people. Uh, you could say that that's white women. You could say that that in, uh, is a uh, uh, cis gender people or heterosexual people or whatever. You, you could say, and then there's other people and, and there's other people who have very little power that are one talent, power, responsibility, power, position, resource people. Like all of us have been given different. But there's an expectation through the gospel that we would do something with what we've been given, whether it's 10, 5, or 1. Um, mm. And I always kind of like to think that probably everyone should think about themselves as the five-talent person. Because chances are there's somebody that has less power than you and someone who has more power than you. And so what does it look like to take your rights and your power and your position and invest it in a way that goes after the kingdom that that allows the kingdom to flourish more rather than well I'm gonna hold on to all of it (laughs) I'm gonna hold on to everything I'm gonna bury it so that I keep it and it's for me um because I don't think that's what we're supposed to be doing yeah okay so that's helpful so if you're a five talent person then what are three practical things you can do to grow your talents? Yeah. To use your power, influence, resources, and rights to allow somebody else to have power, influence, resources, and rights. But what, like, what are some, like... Oh, you're actually asking me. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, Casey, (laughs) I wasn't prepared to actually answer. (laughs) Well, okay. Well, I have a question if if one would be considered. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go. Okay. So you have an idea of what maybe one... Well, I have a question. I want to see what you think. Like, is this this a good... Is this a good application? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is this a good application? Like, I'm thinking maybe voting is one. Voting one. Would another one be conversations with people who have who other people who have five talents or 10 talents, would that be like having difficult conversations with them about the people who have one talent? Yeah, I think so. I think so. So, oh, oh yes. Okay. So, okay. So then what was the other thing you said? Um, uh, conversations, conversations with people who might have 10, 10 talents, but like, or any your, talents. Yeah. Need, or, or any talents. Yeah. Like you don't need to go knocking on like your CEO's door. Like that's not what I'm suggesting, but people that we're other- walking with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who might have? Yeah, how do how do we have conversations? Or should we have conversations with people who have five talents, ten talents, about the people who have one talent and how to help them achieve more talents? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think it's about. That, um, yeah. It is. I think that sometimes those conversations can be really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
but I think the thing that I think is interesting about, cause some, you, me, we have, when we prepare for these conversations, I feel like one of the things, these recorded, these conversations. recorded conversations, yeah. Um, one of the things that we talk about and admit over and over again is how unqualified we feel <laughs> to be <laughs> saying some, because, because we are not history or political genius. No, we, we're no. not. Um, we're just two people that honestly, I feel like we're two five talent people that are trying to figure out how to use our voices in order to give voice to those who don't have voice. Right. Like, yeah. so, yeah. so it's tricky, but I think that one of the things that helps fill that qualification bucket is that you and I are walking with people that we are walking with people that are a part of the white evangelical church in the context of this conversation. Like we're walking with those people and we love them and we're trying to figure out how to love them and how to help them, how to point them to Jesus Mm. and, and, and really like not hey in your face, you're wrong. Uh, let me correct you. Uh, yeah. but really like, gosh, how do we just keep pointing to Jesus again and again and just say, Hey, this yeah. is what I see my Jesus do. Oh, we have a mutual friend, Ryan Harrison, who runs, um, Forge mm. America. He's the national director. And, uh, we always talk with him about like how sometimes you listen to leaders of churches and you hear them tell their stories about how great their churches are doing. And inside your head, you're thinking, Oh no, like, I actually, I think you counted the wrong thing as great. Right. And like, Mm. how do you sit through those conversations? And his answer was always, I just tell them a different story. Like I just, I start telling a different story. That's you acknowledge, Hey, yeah, thanks for sharing. Let me tell you about this other story about this guy who, whatever, this woman who, whatever. Um, And I think that one of the things that is a practical way is to have conversations with people about like, let me tell you another story. I I know this guy, Jesus, (laughs) who, (laughs) what he chose to do was leave the riches of heaven to take on the poverty of humanity to, so that the world could have become rich. Um, Mm. I know about what, what Jesus shows me is that I need to wash the feet of those who don't have anything um, of those who are broken and so, yeah, I think it is. I think it's telling a different story and pointing them to Jesus. Yeah. So what's going on through my head right now as you're saying that? And two things are, one, it's not, oh, you don't always do a great job of doing that. I, I, I maybe me, first person. I don't do, I, I don't know, I do that. It always does. It doesn't turn out super <laughs> great. And it, it's not always as beautiful. As I just made it sound. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's been pretty ugly sometimes <laughs> because it's hard and it's like practice, like you practice. Yeah, you things. practice. And yeah. when you start practicing, you might be pretty bad, yeah. but you get better. Yeah. And at least you tried. Like, like, I think the hardest thing is to not be passive because it's much easier to say nothing than to try to say something. And it's much harder to say something well. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing. And that does take practice. Yeah. Cause you have to know when is it about, <laughs> when are you just trying to shove their face in things? Right. When are you like, yeah. 
when are you when are you mad? Right. You're mad and when right. are you actually pointing them to Jesus? Because those are two yeah. very different things. Yeah. So, yeah. Look, I recently uh, had a conversation with somebody that I walk with in this whole thing, and and they were um, sharing a story about how proud they were to buck the system of a store in their mask policies, and uh, and and again, it was. It was not, it, for me, the road was not trying to tell this person how ideologically they were wrong about whether they should or shouldn't be wearing a mask in store. It was more about like, gosh, how you treated that simple worker who was just trying to get yeah. you to wear a mask. I'm not quite sure if that worker will walk away from that and say, man, I saw Jesus in that person. You know? Yeah. And I can say that to this particular person because they are, a, you know, they are a follower of Jesus. They, they have, right. they are seeking to orient their entire lives around Jesus. And I'm not trying to shove anybody's face in anything, but just like, I don't know that that moment <laughs> is going to be like, wow, taste and see that the Lord is good. Like, I, yeah. I just don't know that that is what we walk away from in encounters like that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we said voting is one way we could do it. Another way is walk, continuing to walk with people with humility and, and prayer, as you said. And I, I did come up with a third one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I would say the third one is like to examine our own lives. Mm -hmm. Yes. So I would say like, if we are a part of a white evangelical church, um, that sort of has ascribed to some of these fusings, um, where you've sort of said like, Hey, individual rights is more important than. <clears throat> than communal flourishing. Um, or if you don't know, what if you don't know? Or if you don't know, maybe you're yeah. like hearing this and you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. is that who we are? Is yeah. That, yeah. I would say the examining, like starting to look at the things and processing, um, processing the conversations you're having through the lens of like, okay, we're saying that, that individual rights are super important. Uh, where in scripture is that? And, and is that what Jesus did? Um, is that what Jesus modeled? Um, but then not only like, see, that's the thing, like not just examining the, what other people are doing around you or what your church yeah. is doing, but like examining your own heart. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause even though I'm saying this now and we're talking about this, like there are all sorts of ways that I am not following Jesus. <laughs> There's all sorts of ways where I still pursue my own wants and my own desires above communal flourishing um, and love for neighbor. Absolutely. Yeah. I I feel like if you don't take the self-examination part, if you are also examining, because I think it's helpful to do both, to examine your church, what are you listening to? What type of information is coming at you? Knowing what that is. But also if you don't examine yourself, and also realize that you are flawed and you are not seeking Jesus perfectly because nope, I'm not. I don't think that's no, nobody is. Um, it's very easy to get angry. Oh, at least it is for me. Yeah. I am an Enneagram one. So what lives under my surface is anger. (laughs) You finally, you finally succumbed to that. You're a one, huh? (laughs) Oh man. Either that or I'm just always an unhealthy seven. So (laughs) (laughs) Better, better to be a healthy sure one a than one. an unhealthy seven, huh? Yeah. <laughs> so we, if you don't know what the Enneagram is, 
look it up. It's a personality typing system and it's complex and it's hard to figure out what number you are sometimes. Except everybody (laughs) else can see it so clearly. (laughs) Oh dear. (laughs) Especially those who you work with and do life work. Yep. They (laughs) They can see it. But sometimes they're just, you know, they're just not going to tell you. (laughs) They're going to wait for you to figure it out. Anyways, yes. So anyways. Looking at examining yourself that Yes. That, because it's very because I just yeah, I always wanna remember that the that that it's really easy for us to sort of draw the line of who is good and who is evil. Mm-hmm. And we all do this. We all include ourselves in the good category and those people over there in the evil category. Yeah. Uh, but I forget who said this. There's some guy who said, there's a famous quote, I can't remember, but said that the line of good and evil goes right down the center of all of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. And that we all have some parts of us that are good and some parts of us that are evil that God is, is, yeah. is seeking to restore and reconcile. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so do those other people over there. And that's helpful for me to not be so angry at them also because yeah. they they are hopefully trying to figure out what they're doing. And uh, yeah. there's redemption. There's a redemption seed somewhere in there that God yeah. is Which... wanting to, to grow. Yes. But, but there's also evil inside of us that, that needs to be um, searched and found and revealed and reconciled and only god can do that only jesus only god can do that all right everyone Well, this has been a great conversation yeah i i hope that you guys forgive all of the things that we kind of fumble through (laughs) and because we're not experts and we're trying to figure this out and it's a little scary to talk about it in a setting that is recorded and that other people can hear (laughs) (laughs) but we do it because we're hopeful that uh we're hopeful that it's helpful. We're hopeful that you might find um, strength and be encouraged to continue to follow Jesus in his big kingdom. Yeah. 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 Um, we look forward to talking to you guys again next week. We are talking about, oh, this is going to be a good one. Oh, top, top. <laughs> toxic masculinity. Yes. And how that's played a role in the capital yeah and uh shoot if we're really not experts on this proud one (laughs) (laughs) but it'll be great it'll be a good conversation it'll be great all right hope you'll join us we'll we'll see